Hi, this is Alex Gonsalves of uh, TukiScout.com and this is the Seller Sound Podcast. Simoj, bending one for Torres. Eusebio. Oh my word! Have you ever seen anything like that? He's got for Simão. A passar por dois adversários, Simão. A tentar obter o gol a Figo. E... And we welcome you to episode number 56 of the Celeste Song Podcast. I, of course, am your host, Danny Pinto. We are a proud partner of Portugal.net, and uh, the time has come. Uh, to discuss uh, all things Celeção and all things uh, do or die, because this is the situation that the national team currently finds itself as. We have a, a, a finally uh, reached uh, playoff week, uh, for a lack of a better term, as uh, the Celeção uh, is uh, trying to make the World Cup in Qatar at the end of 2022. Uh, via the playoff, uh, they have a match against Turkey, the semifinal of their group, um, against Turkey on Thursday uh, at the Dragão. And if uh, Portugal is fortunate enough to win, they would then take on the winner of Italy slash North Macedonia uh, on the 29th, also at Dragão. But uh, first things first, we got to get to, uh, got to get past Thursday to get to the 29th and uh, to help us uh, break it down uh, from the uh, Celestin side uh, is uh, Alex Gonçalves, of uh, tugascout.com. Uh, Alex is uh, nice enough to join us and uh, give his thoughts uh, on uh, on this roster, uh, what Nunsunch may or may not be thinking. Uh, and, uh, you know, we'll also talk uh, nuclear options. Wow, that's an awful word to say in the times that we're, uh, we're dealing not with. I do apologize. Time, yeah. Do apologize for that. Um, but, uh, you know, what, what could happen if, um, if, every, if everything ends either this coming Thursday or on the 29th uh, in a negative way. Uh, and this team does not make the World Cup. But uh, first off, Alex, uh, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you very much. It's good good to be able to talk about the Celestin again. Uh, as you say, this do or die crucial moment. It's quite exciting in a way, you know. Portugal likes to do it the hard way. So it uh, wouldn't be the Celestin without this, this added pressure, I guess. It's never been this hard, though, Alex. I mean, I, I you know, I, and I think the the reason why I I find it so do or die and so dire, for lack of a better term, is just. And I guess we'll we'll go right into the the real negative of, of all this is the ramifications of not making the World Cup. Um, you know, Fernand Sanch is still uh, this national team's manager, uh, to the chagrin of many many people, myself included. Um, but if this team does not make it to Qatar uh, at at the end of November and participate in this World Cup, I just have a, not a terrible feeling, but I just just have a, it's just an unknown considering some of the contributors to this team for the better part of a decade, like what happens to them? Are we going to see the swan song of a Pep, a Joan Moutinho, a José Font? Of course, the biggest one is uh, Cristiano Ronaldo. Um, but you know, I guess like from your perspective as, uh, we'll go with the fan part of you. What's the perspective of the fan that Alex Gonçalves is of this national team? Uh, what are your kind of thoughts heading into these, uh, hopefully, uh, two important games at the very least? Well, I mean, what I would say is that in terms of personnel, this is still an incredibly strong Celestin. It's a very strong team. We've got the we know the absentees, and there's there's maybe more to come. You know, we're missing some crucial players. In terms of the team itself, it's more than good enough. You know, to have already qualified, is it good enough to get through Turkey and Italy? Yes, on paper, I would say that. Of in in that bracket of North Macedonia, Italy, Turkey, Portugal's team is the strongest. 
maybe that's the the fan part that's speaking a bit too highly of <laughs> Portugal. But when you look at the team on paper, it's it's quite remarkable. Still, the strength and depth, even with the the injuries that we've had, you know. We're missing some crucial players, of course. Renato Sanchez is going to be huge. Juan Cancel for the first game, massive. Ruben Dias at the back. Nelson Semedo has been fantastic for Wolves at right back. So we're missing two key right backs against Turkey. And still, we've got three in the squad. And they're all, they're all very competent right backs. So the fan part of me, of course, is nervous. Also excited. This is the kind of matches we, we, we support. We, we enjoy about football. Um, nervous but excited and optimistic. That's the fan side. Yeah, the optimism. I guess I, you have to be optimistic in a situation like this. Um, I guess the expecting the the negative is a very Portuguese kind of uh, outlook in in most everything, not only in football. Um, but you still have a chance to make the the World Cup. You have a team that is, as you mentioned. Uh, good enough by uh, on the field and on paper to make it to Qatar at the end of this year. Um, but we've also just seen a what what again? I go to what could happen, and it's there's there's obviously uh, ramifications of what could happen if uh, they don't make the World Cup. Obviously, number one, it would be the likelihood that Fernand Sanch is is gone. Um, and I just, again, I just, uh, the unknown of what happens with this national team and also not even that, but just then knowing there's going to be a world cup without Portugal, if this does not go our way is just a, a just, it, it could be a, a just a, a, such a kick in the gut to, to all, uh, to such passionate fans that this Portuguese national team has. And, uh, you know, we have to go in optimistic. We have to go in with the hope, um, uh, but you also, we've been optimistic of a change for a while, and we're just kind of trying to figure out when is enough enough. And I guess that answer is if we do or we don't make the World Cup. So pins and needles for sure, Alex. Uh, absolutely. Do or die, as you said. Yes. Yeah, it's it's definitely do or die. Um, let's go over uh, the, the roster here uh, that Fernand Sanchez announced on uh, St. Patrick's Day, March the 17th. And first, we'll, we'll go over the roster, but let's let's kind of graze the and you mentioned some of the names already. Graze the guys that are not in. Uh, Huben Diaz suffered a, a an injury. He's going to be out. Uh, he's now been out uh, for about a week of the three to four weeks that he is expected to be out. Uh, Nelson Smith, as you mentioned, was playing very well at uh, at Wolves. He's not an option uh, at uh, at right back uh, this go around. Uh, Hanat Sunch, who was already going to be out of the Turkey match because of a yellow card accumulation during qualifying, uh, qualifying group stage. He has suffered an injury. I think it was a hamstring. Um, he's out two to three weeks. Um, Huben Nevsh, who has been playing so well for Wolves, uh, I would say, especially in, uh, in calendar year 2022. Um, he was actually a player that I was actually looking forward to see if he may not even get a start and be part of the starting 11. Um, coming up against Turkey just because of how well he's been playing. Uh, he falls on his knee awkwardly. They don't have any uh, official announcement yet uh, in terms of if his if he's going to be available for the Celeste or not. And then players who weren't chosen. Uh, Zessa was a very big surprise for me. Um, and I'm not saying that he should have been... I'm saying he should have been picked, but I'm not... It, it, he very well could have still been playing behind... Patricio, but not to have him as an option was surprising. Uh, Vitinha gets called up to the under-21s. I thought he should have been called up to the senior squad. And then a guy who had been uh, pretty much been a stalwart in the midfield uh, since the Euros, uh, Juan Pelinha, has been out of, I, wanna, I don't want to say out of favor, but just not in the best uh, situation right now with, uh, with Sporting. He, he had been uh, suspended, and then he was... Uh, not in much of the matches in, I would say, the better part of this month. Uh, you have Pot, who hasn't been uh, playing uh, well and has been injured as well. Um, I'm rambling here, Alex. I'm just trying to see. Let's, let's just get your thoughts on who made it, who didn't make it, and who you thought uh, is, uh, is been, it was the most curious either choice or non-choice. I mean, I think, I think you summarized it really well there. Uh, of course, just a size, uh, it was a real shock. 
because he's been arguably the best goalkeeper in England this season. Um, and therefore, you know, by that definition, he's been one of the best in the world. So the fact he's not even one of the top three goalkeepers in the Portugal roster is a big surprise. Um, saying that, it's not going to make a huge difference. I think Rui Patricio would have started anyway. I don't think we can yeah, have me, me too, too many. Yeah, I don't think we can have too many issues with that either. You know, it's a high pressure situation. Jose has never played for the senior team. It's like it's throwing him into that environment. He's a very experienced goalkeeper. Don't get me wrong, but it's um, that's a tough pl- way to make your debut. And the other two goalkeepers, let's not forget, they're top quality goalkeepers as well. You know, they're playing for big big clubs in, in Europe. Um, they were all at the time of the, the um, announcement of the squad. They were all playing in European competition still. Um, so I, I guess it's not it's not going to determine whether Portugal go through or not. It's just a bit of a surprise. And, and it's a shame for him because he's going to be thinking, what more do I have to do to get sure. called up? You know? um, so it sets that kind of precedent, I guess. And Vitinha was the big one. Um, I actually... Attempted to predict the the squad that Fernando Santos would choose before uh, the announcement, and I actually I didn't include him. I didn't include Vitinha because I I did have a feeling Fernando Santos would overlook him. That doesn't make it any less um, controversial and and shocking <laughs> that he actually did leave him out. Sure, because this guy has been probably the best player in Portugal this year, this season, uh, player of the month two months in a row. Uh, and what what is just strange, generally, is that. You know, you've included Otavio there. And these are yeah. two players that play for the same team. They're both very good players, but Vitinha has been the superior player this season. So it's just odd, really, that you would choose Otavio over Vitinha. That's just, that's just, and I saw a nice headline about it. And it was like, you know, this is the, this was the easiest golasso that Fernando Santos could score taking Vitinha. And he decided he didn't want to score it, uh, which kind of sums it up because this was, this was a controversial thing that didn't need to be controversial at all. If he just chose him and didn't play him, it would be, well, at least he's there. And no one would question it, really. The fact he's not there at all is 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 crazy. I would just say there's two other, maybe two other things I would point out with the squad, which is the first one, the inclusion of Cedric Suarez, which I, I have to say I fully agree with. But I know that there are many that disagreed. They thought Ricardo Pereira should have been the one chosen instead. The only thing I would say is that Ricardo Paredes had his fitness concerns this season. You know, he's he's not that long back from injury. You don't know if he's at his full, you know, sharpness. So Cedric Suarez has been really good for Arsenal, filling in uh, for Tommy Asso this season. So I, I have complete faith in him. We know how reliable he is. He's good at both ends of the pitch. So I have no problems with that. Um, but I, I just wanted, I thought it was worth mentioning because I know some people were questioning that one. Um, and the, other, the the final one that I just thought was... It's not controversial. It's just I, I would have I would have tried everything to try and fit him into the team is Rafa Silva uh, because he's, I, I wouldn't say he's having a, an amazing season. He's having a, a good season. He's, he's crucial to Benfica, but he just offers something so different to, to the other forwards. You know, they, they, there are skillful and tricky wingers there, but Rafa's just got that extra pace. And we saw it today, actually, in the in the match for Benfica, his goal that he scored, you know, from his own half dribbled through with the pace they couldn't keep up and he's slotted at home. So I just feel like when you're chasing a game in the last 10 to 15 minutes, Rafa Silva is is the guy you want to have off the bench to bring on to make that impact. So that's just the other one that I feel hopefully won't you know determine whether Portugal go through. It's just it would have been nice to have him in the squad. Yeah, for for those of you watching on YouTube, uh, Alex is a professional because for the last 30 seconds, I've almost broken my microphone three times trying to adjust it. So I apologize for that, Alex. But uh, yeah, I would say, um, I, I, first of all, spot on on, on your analysis there. I, I For me, I think the, the, the area with the least amount of controversy is up front in terms of the attack because... Uh, as I'll I'll go ahead and put the uh, the roster here uh, on the ticker as well, um, you know obviously Ronaldo is a is going to be a a surefire uh, pick no matter what. But you have João Felix who is definitely in form right now with Atletico Madrid. Diogo Jota is uh, is cementing himself as uh, a a contributor for Liverpool in their hopes of trying to catch city uh, at uh, in the in the premier league uh and then you have 
you know, uh, I would say, I don't want to say a, a, a comeback of, of sorts for Gonçal Gedge, but he has been playing uh, much better uh, of late and has been, has been scoring big goals uh, for his club. Uh, Andres Silva, again, getting on the, uh, on the score sheet uh, recently uh, for his club as well in Germany. And, you know, I think up front is it's, it's strong. Now it's how you use them from the midfield up with guys like Bernard Silva and guys like Bruno Fernandes, where you can try to hopefully get something in terms of a uh, a cohesive uh, attack from the midfield uh, to those to those forwards. But yeah, got to have balance, got to have it there. But um, for me, I think the biggest concern right now is obviously the uh, the middle of the defense uh, at center back. Uh, it seems like we are in a a time warp where we have we have old options once again. Uh, at at center at the center back position where you know Pep has had uh, you know when, once you get to the, his age uh, in the in the game of football little nicks here and there uh, become more and more frequent and I know he had something a couple of weeks ago uh, he did play the full ninety as we record uh, this on uh, on Sunday night Sunday afternoon um, he played the whole ninety uh, in uh, in Ports game today. Uh, Joseph Font has been, uh, again, solid for Lille, uh, this season, nothing, he's never been anything other than solid other than just getting older. And that's been the, the, the bugaboo on him for, uh, for so long. And you do get an injection of youth with Gonzalo Inacio, uh, from Sporting. Um, those are the three center backs that they, uh, that, uh, Fernand has chosen. Uh, you do have the option of playing Danilo Pereira in the middle there if you so choose. He hasn't played much center back for PSG this year, but I think that's the concern for me. And also, I know that João Concelo is out for Turkey, but I thought that having three right backs was uh, was a bit of a curious decision simply because you do, I mean, if you only have two, and João Concelo is one of them, and either Cedric or uh, Diogo Dalot get injured in that Turkey game. Well, then you're in a, you're damned if you do and damned if you don't. I just thought that there was an opportunity there to, you know, maybe add some attacking, especially some, somebody like Vitinha in the middle that you can bring off the bench, uh, for, uh, for the, uh, for the Celestin. But I think it's more of as much as we want Fernand Sanch to change the way he approaches the game. I think in this, in this, uh, selection, in the selection period for this uh, international break in this World Cup playoff, injuries I think kind of hampered him in what he maybe maybe was trying to maybe do something different for uh, for these playoffs. Completely agree. Uh, I mean, I would I I would agree completely with the suggestion that centre backs the weakest points or the, the 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 position that we probably have most concern with. What I would say is I don't disagree with the players he's called up, I would have called up the same players. You know, I think they're, they're the, probably the three best options right now available. And on the age thing, I mean, it's a concern because you can pick up the injuries more, more frequently, you know, but these guys are like still at the top, top level in terms of fitness and athletic ability. I mean, we've got to remember the center backs that Italy played in the final in the Euro 26, uh, Euro 2020, I should say, not 2016, definitely not. Um, they were oh, there. They were old center backs in 2016 as well, <laughs> and 2016 as well. It's true, yeah, yeah. So I mean, there's a theme there that the old center backs are the way to go if you want to be successful in tournaments. Um, I mean, I I would have no problems with Jose Font and Pep partnering each other in the in the heart of defense over these one or two games if we get through it. Um, the, the experience is invaluable, I think. So I mean. In terms of the starting two, I've got no, I've got no problems. It's it's kind of comical. I saw that some people were suggesting we could start the exact same back five with the goalkeeper and the four defenders as we did in Euro 2016's final. I, I saw is, that too. It's, it's, it's quite great. extraordinary. Yeah, yeah, I mean, six years on and it's the same. But listen, I I, I think it's going to be close to that. I think that is close to the best um, back line that we have available right now with the suspensions, with the injuries that we have. Um, it's a concern. I agree, but I think I I can't criticize Fernando Santos's choices in terms of the the centre back choices he made. You know. Well, let's let's go ahead and criticize Fernando Santos. Not for that specifically, <laughs> but uh, you know, I've uh, in in preparing for the interview and stuff, I couldn't find anything. Um, and again, it 
the 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 game in November are is so many tweets ago uh, that I just kind of want to get your opinion as we sit here. Well, I, let me get your opinion of where what you felt uh, after the Serbia match where Portugal lost to one and then put themselves in the position to be in the playoff. What has been your I guess your stance on Fernand Sunch and should he should he be managing this playoff in your opinion? Yeah, that Serbia match. It was a, it was a while ago, but it's still it's still there in the memory quite strongly because it was so atrocious. I don't know if it was the plan to just sit back and try and grind out a one nil win or even a draw because we knew that was the that would be a suitable result. It was a Alex. Bizarre... You, do, you do know you do know who the manager is, right? <laughs> even so, it, 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 it's, it's probably it probably uh, was the plan. <laughs> Even by his standards, it was it was bizarre. I mean, to be fair, we've seen some really interesting games with Fernando Santos in charge. I think we forget that as well. Like, I remember we played Serbia before we won four two. I think it was in a in a in the previous qualifiers for it must have been World Cup twenty twenty or uh, World Cup twenty eighteen. Yeah, or or the Euros twenty twenty. Um, I think that's the right. Yeah. Um, and it was it was a great game. And there's been there's been many games where Portugal have looked really good going forward. It was a while ago now, and that's the problem. It's been stale for too long. But we have seen evidence in the past that with Fernando Santos at, at the helm, Portugal don't have to be the ugly ducklings. He showed it after Euro 2016 when he started bringing. I mean, that Euro 2016 squad was limited. I I still think it was a great team, but it was limited. And Fernando Santos played a blinder I think in the way that he approached that tournament with what he had with an aging team as well um then he was bringing through these these excellent players Bernardo Silva was coming in Juan Cancelo was coming in. you know you had these these amazing players being added to the fold and the quality of football improved it it, it did improve in the big moments it hasn't that's the problem in, in the big tournaments he seems to shy away from the fluid football that has made Portugal both entertaining and successful in, in qualifying matches. And I, I don't know what it is, but this last qualifying um, round, you know, in, in a, in a relatively straightforward group with all respect to Luxembourg and Ireland, it wasn't a, an overly complicated group, but Portugal somehow just made it really complicated, even against sure. Luxembourg, who I have a great respect for Luxembourg. I think they're improving a lot as a, as a nation, but it's still Luxembourg. They're going to have limited resources um, and a limited national pool just overcomplicated it so much with this, with, with this style of football. So his critic, the criticism is absolutely warranted. Should he be in charge for the playoffs? Um, I, I will probably be in the minority when I say probably. I think okay. that it's a it's a, a very difficult moment to change the manager. I mean, imagine if you change manager, you bring in, let's say, Balfour Fonseca, who would be probably the, the dream choice for many, I would say. Um, and then Portugal don't qualify under this new manager. Sure. That's a, it's a very tricky starting post, you know, to, to fail to qualify for the first major tournament of this century is a big... You know, that's that's an uphill battle straight away. I mean, so obviously that's looking at it from what if we fail? You know, that's the that's the angle. What if we fail rather than what if we succeed? I think the other thing is with Fernando Santos, we know that he has what it takes to get through playoffs. He did it with Greece. He got Greece through. I mean, it's still sensational what he did with that Greek team, to be honest. And he got them through the playoffs into the, uh, I think it was the World Cup, maybe the Euros. Um so he's already got experience with this, and he, it's a big decision. I don't know if there's a right answer. I, I guess the right answer we'll know when we find out if we've qualified or if we haven't. So it's not very helpful, but I think that's the only way we'll know if it's the right decision. Well, uh, yeah, I, I'm just uh, we're just throwing it out there because of uh, you know I think it's a great point that you bring up, and it's something that you know I've talked with Tom Cundard about and and others is the emotional part of it is you get rid of the guy who puts you in that in this situation in the first place. And again, you cannot put 100% blame on Fernand Sanchez, but as I've as I've said before uh, and I've told other people this and it's I mean you've seen it in sports everywhere. It's much easier to replace one manager than it is to replace 6 7 8 guys on your uh, on, on your roster. It's just it's it's the logistics of the of the business. 
Um, with that said, if there was, you know, I, I guess it's, if, if it was a, a successful change where this new manager, whoever it would have been, would win these two matches and get them to the, the World Cup, he is on a high of highs as Very a true. savior of this generation. Whereas if he was, and, he, and, and if there would, would have been a, a replacement uh, for this playoff, I think there would have been, if they, if they didn't make it, it would have been, it would have been a bummer obviously for him, uh, whoever it would have been, but I don't think they would have, he wouldn't get too much blame for it because he was, he's going to be putting in a, in a tough situation anyway. Uh, I want to, um, I want to go over a, uh, a poll that I ran, uh, and which is still live by the way on, uh, on, uh, on my Twitter account, um, at Celeste pod on Twitter. Um, I asked Celeste fans, and if you weren't a Celestial fan and Celestial fan and you voted, by all means, it's it's okay. Um, but I asked I asked two two uh, two very simple questions that are just unbearable to answer for some people, but they did. Would you rather Portugal make the World Cup if it meant keeping Fernando Sanch, or would you rather Portugal miss the World Cup, which would then ensue with Fernando Sanch firing? And seventy-two percent of those who voted voted to make the World Cup. If if Nunsunch is there and they make the World Cup, fine, all for it. Twenty-eight percent would rather miss the World Cup to see Nunsunch get fired. Now, I am a detractor of Nunsunch and have become a, a very vocal detractor of Nunsunch in the last few months, uh, pretty much since uh, since the Euros, uh, uh, Euro twenty twenty, but. I would much rather have a chance to win the World Cup by being in the World Cup than not being in the World Cup at all. What are your thoughts on uh, on those twenty eight percent? That that poll is shocking to me. Twenty eight percent of people have forgotten the whole point of what we're trying to achieve. As you know, what we what we're here to support football for. Um, no, I mean that. Of course, it's a it's a reasonable um, opinion. They. I guess they're looking more long term. They they fear they they must be super concerned that Fernando Santos will um, stay on beyond the World Cup and into the next Euros as well. And they must be very concerned that that's just it's going to be an absolute disaster. I I I I'm still baffled that 28 percent of people would rather not qualify for the World Cup um, because ultimately, what's the reason they want to get rid of Fernando Santos? Is because they're concerned that we're not going to be successful. But if we don't qualify for the World Cup, then we haven't been successful. So why would you want us to not qualify for the World Cup? Um, so yeah, that's a strange one. But for sure, of course, qualify for the World Cup. I I think this is very probably his last tournament anyway as manager. So I I think those people don't need to be overly concerned that he's going to be staying you know long term. Um. So yeah, easy answer for me. Surely, surely. World yeah, Cup every time. Yeah, absolutely. World Cup every time. But it's it's it's. I just I kind of wanted to get the idea, and, and you see the poll here. If you're watching on uh, on uh, on YouTube here, uh, the poll is still running. Got three days left. Make your voice heard if you haven't voted already. Um, but yeah, seventy seventy one point nine percent. Um, you know, taking taking an appearance in the World Cup again if uh, if it meant for Sunshine to stay. And then yeah, this this number here is uh, is is I don't know if it's I don't I don't know if I was expecting more um, to be honest, just because he has been such a a volatile um, subject in terms divisive. of the yeah absolutely yeah, yeah very divisive. But uh, it was interesting to see um, get to get people's thoughts on that. But uh, we're no, talking without oh wonder, go ahead. I do wonder. Sorry, I just I just wonder how many people are answering that with the emotion, you know, in the the, the desperation. I I think if if they really ask themselves, of course they would rather qualify for the World Cup. Surely, surely. I just yeah, we'll, we have to we'll have to ask that twenty twenty eight point one percent at some I'd point. Love to. Love to. <laughs> We're talking with Alex Gonsalves here of uh, TugaScout.com. Uh, you can follow Alex on Twitter at uh, A L J E E V E S. Uh, and also follow uh, Tuga Scout at uh, Tuga Scout PT. Uh, he's kind enough to uh, to preview, uh, help preview our uh, our do or die situation here uh, with the uh, the Celeste song. Uh, I'm going to give you uh, what I what I have been told is a hot take, and uh, what I have been also uh, met with uh, a bit of resistance in terms of 
uh, my opinion. Um, I feel that if uh, Portugal do not make the the World Cup, uh, I feel that Ronaldo will retire from international football because I don't see him getting up for Nations League games this summer. And I just don't see him, unless he takes time off and comes back for European qualifiers that begin in a calendar year 2023, um, I just don't see him coming back because the World Cup is the last, it's the missing piece for him. And I'm not saying that, you know, if they make the World Cup, Portugal is going to win it because that's that's crazy. But I don't see him sticking around for 2026. And if he's not sticking around for 2026, I'm not sure what else he can really accomplish other than just extending his 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 goal record. So I am of the opinion, and I haven't heard anyone else say it, so I'm not trying to be like, oh, if it happens, like look, I I said it first, but I I just. I'm just trying to get into the mind of someone who is so competitive and is driven by excellence and by uh, being the best to not having an opportunity to solidify that uh, in, a, in a World Cup tournament. Uh, I just have a tough time seeing him as his best competitive self uh, if it's not towards going for a World Cup um, this year. Your thoughts, Alex? I've stumped you. No, I think it's very possible. I think it's very possible for sure. I don't think it would be something that he would do immediately. I don't think like after after the match, post match, he'd be like, "Yes, and this was my last game." I think he'd probably take some time to think about it. I, I would imagine you d- you don't want to make these decisions in emotion. And he will he will he will have been in these very low moments, very high moments before. He knows how to handle them. He knows it needs time to reflect. So I I would like to think he'd give it at least a few weeks, maybe a couple of weeks to just think about it rather than do it straight afterwards. But I think you're absolutely right. He, this is, this is the one thing that's missing um, in his trophy cabinet, really. And if it's not this year, I can't see him being around in four years time. I mean, you never know with Ronaldo, you never know. Yeah. In four years time. He could be, he could be still going strong for sporting maybe and uh, gets caught cool up. And we see it with his look at this. as well. <laughs> Well, we had, but with Zlatan as well, he he came back from retirement um, with Sweden. I don't know if he actually managed to make the tournament to the end, but it happens. I mean, what what I will say is that I have a lot of respect for, and it seems to be in, in Portugal particularly, most players don't seem to retire. They seem to just always, they're always available. For as long as they're playing for their club, they're available. If they're not good enough, they're not called up. You know, I don't remember Bruno Alves ever saying I've retired. He's never going to be called up again. Right, but he's there. Sure. He's available. If, if if Portugal need him, he's there. I have a lot of respect for players that don't want the big, you know, goodbye. Ronaldo deserves it. He's a, he's an exception. But generally, I I just thought it it was worth noting that generally it's quite nice to see a lot of Portuguese players. They don't retire. They're always there, even if they know they're not good enough. Um, and with Ronaldo retiring, all I would say is, listen, Ronaldo, you've got you've got the uh, two hundred cap mark you can become the first player to get two hundred caps for your country which has never been done in the in the men's game that is a huge deal you know to set that record that's that's going to be almost untouchable you would have thought so I'd like to see him realize there are many other records to extend and to break um even if the World Cup does elude him which he probably always expected anyway you know I mean my question to you would be if Portugal go to the World Cup and get knocked out in the round of 16, does he retire as well? Do you think he, he retires then? Uh, you know, I think I think he would at least say, you know what, that was my last shot. You know, I, I, or a realistic shot, I guess. The, the funny thing is, and actually, uh, Alex, we have a bit of breaking news uh, on, this, uh, on this podcast. Um, let me get to the breaking news first and maybe get, well, breaking news. It's a, it's a podcast. By the time you guys hear it, you guys will already have heard it, but... Uh, let me just finish the Ronaldo point, and I'll get to the breaking news. Um, r- with Ronaldo, it's he's just you know it, it's what is it? As someone uh, once said that you, you you know you don't know uh, the good times when you're in them, and then when the good times are gone, you wish you knew they were the good times. I I probably butchered that saying for, uh, like a million different nah, ways, but, but it, I get it. But it's if he doesn't if he doesn't get the opportunity to maybe know it's his last shot. I think that's the part that is probably eating at him the most is he didn't think that 2018 was going to be his last shot. 
Um, he probably thought 2022 was going to be his likely last shot. But I think it's a much easier decision to make it after a World Cup than uh, than after not qualifying for that World Cup. Um, quickly, the uh, the breaking news is uh, Hubenevj is out. And if you're looking at the scroll right now, uh, Vitinha has been called up from the under-21 side, and he is going to be in for... Uh, for uh, Fernand Sanchez at uh, his disposal. Now, I don't want to get too excited because I, this is one. It's at the it's at the 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 behest of uh, of Huben uh, Nevs not making it, and obviously that knee injury must have been uh, something uh, just that it wasn't gonna gonna right itself in about a week or a week or so. But um, I don't want to get too excited simply because we've seen an inform young player be called up to a national team in, the mo- in a big competition and not see one minute. And that was bought during the Euros. So while I'm excited that Vitinha is finally chosen, and got and, and that's also a, a decision that he uh, that uh, Fernand Sanchez and Huy George uh, definitely had to talk on on that one. Um, but uh, what are your thoughts of Vitinha replacing Hubenevj? And I guess in not so much his impact, but what could, uh, his potential inclusion uh in a in a uh on the field for this less on gift to this uh give to this squad well i mean it's it's amazing that he's included i would say it's it's already too late you know it was a it, he's correcting what was an obvious decision um so it's it's not a good look still you know he was a uh, left out ultimately he was left out and he's only in there because there was an injury so the damage was done then it doesn't suggest he's going to play particular no if he wasn't in his 25 man squad then he's being called up to make up the numbers essentially i can't imagine he's now going to play a vital role in in the in these matches or in this match because clearly he wasn't in Fernando Santos's plans um that said it's good that he's there um you know get him integrated as soon as possible that's always a nice thing to get him you know involved in in the team get used to this environment because that's ultimately where he's going to be from from here in you imagine he's going to be in most squads moving forwards um so that's nice and i think in the future he's going to have a big role for for portugal if if his form for porto is anything to go by uh but yeah it's, it's difficult to get too excited because you just you know that it's He's only included because Ruben Neves isn't there. I'm kind of surprised that he called up um, Vitinha anyway, to be honest, and not a like-for-like replacement for Ruben Neves. You know, um, so that's does that, I guess, does that tell a, you? Does that tell you maybe? Does that tell you maybe that the the pairing of barring injury here, the pairing of uh, of Pep and uh, and Josef Font is definitely going to happen, and you don't need a. I mean, even though you did call a third. Um, defensive midfielder already, but I guess not calling one in, in, as a replacement for Hubenevs, uh, that's probably solidifying the Pep Josef Font uh, center-back pairing uh, likely on Thursday and hopefully on the 29th as well. That's true. That's true, actually, yeah, because Danilo, we thought, well, you know, you've included him because he can serve both defensive midfield and centre-back. And then when you lose a defensive midfielder, you've kind of nullified his potential, really, to play as the centre-back because he's probably going to be played as the defensive midfielder. You would have thought, looking at the squad, he's going to be the, you know, the defensive, the defensive central player there. So I think that's true. And I think it was always the plan, wasn't it, to play Pep and Font, I imagine. Uh, Danil's just playing that role as as potential fourth choice, really. I, I think even Inasu, don't you think, would be ahead of Danil Pereira in the pecking order? I would have hoped so, but again, this is also sure. uh, this is also a a, a Fernandesh that um, I mean, he likes who he likes, and he's very comfortable with those he knows. And you know, even though it's you know, you would you would think that Ignacio would, uh, and, and who's Alex, who's to say he doesn't have Inacio and Pep play in the middle? I mean, it's it, it, it. I would be surprised by it. But, I would be surprised, but yeah. But I mean, he he didn't have to take Vitinha. Yeah, he Vitinha was not in his original original roster, but I don't think he had to take Vitinha um, unless he thinks it's just you know it looks better for him uh, on the surface because I I don't know I. I've tried to figure out how to get into Fnunsan's head, and it uh, it's a it's it's an act that I, uh, I I get tired of trying to to figure out just because 
you know, as some of the things that he, purpose, yeah. yeah, it's, oh my God. Yeah. It's just, yeah, it's not great. But uh, I mean, what, I think he doesn't have the needle to play center back. Um, and I don't think I, I just want to shut, I wouldn't shut the door of Evan Vitinha still make some sort of contribution, but it doesn't, uh, history doesn't, history doesn't say that uh, he's going to simply based off of leaving Poth on the bench and not playing him a minute in the Euros last year. Yeah, no, that's true. I mean, what I would say is the if Portugal find themselves one now one nil down to Turkey, let's say. Oh god. Ago, that's that just I, looking, I'm al- I'm already sad. Damn it, Alex. <laughs> we've got to, we've got to get used to it. It could happen, you never know. Oh um god. and and you're looking at the bench and you don't want to ruin the balance completely. You don't want to just throw on all your attacking players um and go gung ho. You're looking at it for a central midfielder that can impact the game. You look at the options in terms of central midfielders. Vitinha is the one, isn't he? Because I would, I would like to assume that Mateus Nunes is going to start. Um, he he offers something a bit like Renato Sanchez, I think, with mm-hmm. the directness, you know, explosiveness. Hopefully, he's going to start. If you're looking for someone else to bring on, you're not going to bring on Joao Martinho. Are you? You're not going to bring on William Cavalho. You wouldn't thought. Or then again, it's Fernando Santos, but probably not. Yeah, Vitinha, Joao Martinho is probably going to start. <laughs> <laughs> that's true yeah uh, which is which is all right but yeah um you look at the bench and you go Vitinha's is probably the man suddenly he's become invaluable because he's the option now that you you want to use that he's going to add that attacking flair from from the from the middle of the pitch so in that sense maybe it's maybe he's still going to be used but i i i think the only way we would see him is if portugal are losing so let's hope we don't see him and we we're winning three nil and then he brings on william cavalier and uh, shuts up the shop you know there it is. Uh, we're talking with Alex Gonsalves of Tukascout.com. You can follow Alex on Twitter at A-L-J-E-E-V-E-S. And you can follow uh, his uh, Tuga Scout account, easy for me to say, on Twitter as well, at Tuga Scout PT. We are reviewing the roster and uh, trying to you know, get a semblance of a preview for Thursday. Uh, I'll probably not get the, the nuts and bolts other than we'll, we'll try to get a uh, a prediction from, uh, from you, Alex, on who you think may be in the starting eleven for Thursday, but could you see a scenario? I love playing hypothetical with, with our guests sometimes, but uh, I, I just like to get uh, other people's uh, opinions here. But could you see a scenario where Portugal makes the World Cup and Fernand Sanch is not the manager of that World Cup team? No. I don't well, think so either. No. no, I mean, of course it's possible. But oh, I, yeah. I, that's a very, that's, I mean, I'm not going to say absolutely not. Um, but I by the way, that, that was, that was the, uh, that was uh, option C that I didn't put on the poll because I knew that it would probably go 95% <laughs> in, yeah, in that true. way. That's true. Yeah. 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 <laughs> no, surely. Yeah. And I think, I think the fact that they've stuck by him now is because um, they, they're backing him to qualify. Why would you back him to this point? Just a second before the the World Cup. The only way is if he if he decides to leave. That's the only way. I can't see him doing that. You know, he's a, he's a proud man, and and rightfully so. He's done incredible things as a manager. Um, so I just cannot see him walking away from the opportunity to lead his country with the ultimate, you know, the ultimate job, isn't it? To lead your country to the to the World Cup final. You know, so I cannot see that at all, even if that's what everybody wants. Yeah, I I would I, I guess the the logical side in my brain says that obviously that's not going to happen if we are fortunate enough to get by Turkey and and by either Italy or North Macedonia on the 29th. With that said, in terms of you know, we talked about how a new manager into a playoff scenario would be very difficult on that manager. You then have I guess the flip side on by making the World Cup and then Getting rid of Sanch is you then have the Nations League, which call it whatever you want, but those are six guaranteed games in, I believe, June and July and maybe September. I'm not sure. I don't have the schedule in front of me, but you could, you know, you can use this, the Nations League like uh, some teams did uh, the first go around where, where it was. You know, Ronaldo maybe doesn't have to play in the Nations League. You know, you could rest him and have and have some uh, some uh, some players try to get a little bit of run for uh, up front. 
you could have you know the, these younger center backs trying to get some time together. You don't need to play Pep if you want to play him and save him for the World Cup. Um, you could tinker with you know the formation. You could you could finally maybe try that three four three with the abundance of wingbacks that we always seem to talk about, but in this go around are not at our disposal because of injury and and uh, and uh, and yellow cards. So I for one. It would be, you know, if you look at it, you know, he got us to the World Cup. He said, you know, right after a few days after the uh, the Serbia match, he said that he would he would leave. No one would have to fire him if they don't make the World Cup. Well, that's a low bar. No, you know, that's a low bar. So if if I don't want someone with the talent that this national team has, I don't want someone like that with that low of a bar leading us or attempting to lead us into. The World Cup. Now, I'll thank him for getting us there if the team gets there. But I would, I would be, I would be very open to allowing Nunsunch to go if we made the World Cup, relieving him of his duties, and then having someone like a Paul Fonseca or an Andre Villas-Boas start implementing his system for three, four months before the Nations League, and the players already know what to expect coming into this summer's tournament. And then you start building that camaraderie with coach and staff for a huge tournament in November, the World Cup. So I guess I'm option C, get us there and then say goodbye and just watch it from home. That would be, that's that's where I'm at right now. That's a no. It's a great point that you make with the fact that you do have a big load of, uh, of preparatory matches you know, for the for the World Cup, so it is very different than between now the between um, the Serbia match and this one, where there was nothing. It was just straight into it. So uh, logically, yeah, it it makes much more sense to do it um, between the playoffs and the World Cup. I just think that they've stuck by him until now. I can't see it happening, but I do agree with your logic that it. it it's very feasible because of the the however six eight matches with the friendlies, you know. Um, as well so yeah there, there would be enough time for the turnover I, I also you know just I do wonder if all of our centre-backs were available if Ruben Dias was there if Jean Cancelo was available from the first match Nelson Samido was there if he would have gone with the back three I just I do wonder it would have been interesting to see if he would have it would yeah, have tried it because it, it would I be think, fascinating I think about that too and, and it was something that uh, that I had discussed with Tom uh, after the uh, after the uh, the Serbia match Um is you know he you know Fernand Sanch, and you said it uh, in during this interview uh he's a very proud man stubborn probably to a fault uh he's given a lot of players their first caps um so it's not like he's playing 37 year olds all over the field mm. but you know you know you can't teach a dog new tricks is a saying but he also can be smart enough and know that you know if i don't know how to correctly implement a system. It doesn't mean that I I shouldn't try to get someone yeah. who can help me. He's not the only coach there, Alex. You know, you could have a, a guy who, uh, you know, a a a tactic guru who is well versed in the three four three in the wingback system. That the majority, I would say, a, a loud portion of this fan base has been dying to see given the the amount of talent and the type of talent that this national team has. And if he's too proud to bring in someone that can assist him in just familiarizing himself with, mm-hmm. with that system to be like, all right, I haven't done it this way. Show me why this may work with this, with this team. And again, I, as I told Tom, I don't know that he hasn't done that, but it just and seems, you, uh, go ahead. No, sorry. I was just going to say, and also, a big concern is is not only just implementing a system like that, but I think he's openly admitted, I think he has, that he's not sure how to play against a team that plays with a back three. So yeah, it's not uh, just... Yeah, watch, look at the, look at the to... Germany game. The, exactly this. And so that's <laughs> a big concern because who knows? Italy could easily play with a back three. There's a very Italian system. They could easily play with a back three. And then suddenly you're like, this is going to be this is going to be a grueling test because... He does have a history, it seems, of struggling not only to implement it, which is fine. He has a system. But if you don't know how to counteract it, then there's a serious flaw in your in your managerial ability that you do have to fix, whether that be, as you say, bringing a, another coach in to help you try and counteract that. 
that's the bigger concern. Like it would be fun to see that Portugal play with the back three. I think it's got uh, the team's got such a good um, composition to be able to pull that off successfully. But it's the problem playing against the back three. That's that's going to be the reason probably that Portugal really struggle if they if they want to win the World Cup. And that's a long way away right now. But if they want to win oh, the World sure. Cup, they have to fix that hugely because you've got Belgium that play that system. You've got a lot of top teams that will play that system against you, particularly when you know the manager cannot seem to deal with that formation. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see. That is for sure. We uh, we're talking with uh, Alex Gonçalves here on episode number fifty six as uh, we look back at the the announcement of the roster. Um, if you are listening to this podcast and you have not heard, because this podcast will be released uh, on Monday uh, the twentieth, check that Monday the twenty first. What day is it today? It is Sunday, March twentieth. So tomorrow would be 20th, Monday, yeah. March twenty first. All right, so. Um, so we will be releasing uh, fifty five and fifty six here uh, as we. You know, you know, it's playoff week, as uh, as I mentioned um, uh, uh, at the beginning of this episode here, and uh, none a, a match n- probably as impo- as important to uh, this federation and to this fan base as there has been um, probably since 2016. Uh, that's that's uh, that is my opinion here. But let's get your your thought here, uh, Alex, as we as we try to uh, finish up here. Um, game on Thursday, they play Turkey. Um, we know who is not available. We know that uh, Jean Concello out due to yellow cards. Huben um, Diaz obviously not in the middle uh, due to injury. Not Sanchez out due to injury. We just learned that Huben is out due to injury. Uh, if you were to pick a starting 11 uh, for a likely starting 11 uh, for Fernand Sanchez to use against Turkey, uh, who do you think that would be? So likely as in not my choice, his choice, what I think he will choose. What what he think what you think he will do. Uh, Patricio, of course, in goal. Um Fonten Pep, I think he, he's going with for sure back uh, as the partnership at the back. I think he'll go with Delot. Um it's close though. Um and then probably Gredo, I think, the, the experience maybe. Um and then Danilo. Um, I really hope Mateus Nunes, and I'm going to say it, I, I really think he should start. I'm sure he will start. Do you play Bruno Fernandes as well? You've got to figure out how to get him on the field. It's I don't know. I, I mean... He, it's not like he's he's not blowing people away at United like he has been in the past, but... I guess I get that's another I guess that's another strike against Fernand Sanchez in, in my book is like how do you not figure out how to get someone like Bruno Fernandes get the best out of him? Uh, how do you get a a player like an Andres Silva who scored uh, thirty ga- or thirty goals in the Bundesliga last year? How to get him in? You know, mm-hmm. and sometimes it's just the, the hand you're dealt, and maybe this the roster just doesn't uh, doesn't mesh well uh, given you know, who's on it yeah. because it's not like a club team where you could just get someone out and that's it. But um, you got to figure out a way to give room for an in there. That's just my opinion. I just don't know how. <laughs> I mean, no, <laughs> that's why I'm not the, the coach either. <laughs> <laughs> if I were the coach, I would, I, I'm not sure I would play him because I would like to see uh, Bernardo Silva moved into the middle. Mm-hmm. And I, you cannot play both. I don't think you can play a midfield of Danilo Pereira Bernardo Silva and Bruno Fernandes. So I would, I would, I would, if it were up to me, I'd play Danilo, uh, Mateus Nunes, and Bernardo Silva in the middle, which would then give you the opportunity to play a, a nice, more fluid, maybe front three, in addition to Bernardo just behind of like Joan Felix, Diogo Jota, Cristiano Ronaldo. I mean, because there are going to be some big stars that miss out. It's a fact oh because God. the squad is so good. And I, so I don't think that, that Bruno Fernandes should be a guaranteed starter because there is there's quality there. If you, I, I think he'll start Joao Martinho. <laughs> Having said all that, I think he'll start Joao Martinho as the third central midfielder. Um, oh, which listen, man. it adds it adds composure in the middle. No, it does. It does. It's just it's still. just such it's just such a boring decision if it is. <laughs> And I mean, it, yeah, you know, I like, I'm, I'm, you got me excited about Mateusz Nunes playing, you know, a, a Hanat Silva, oh, Hanat Silva, a Hanat Sanz role, perhaps. Um, and, and, you know, there's stability in a guy like Joan Moutinho, obviously. Uh, I, but I also think that can be sometimes a crutch simply because of his age, more so than what he gives to the, uh, 
to the squad because if you're looking at if you're looking at 2016, I mean the back four could be as we mentioned the same back four that played, uh, and then you throw in. I mean, obviously we're gonna put Ronaldo in because he's he is who he is, but you know Schwamutin contributing again, William Carvalho contributing again, possibly Danilo contributing. It's like you you want that you want that look you want that fresh look to to somehow get us there maybe um but you know you also have to deal with the reality that yeah he could possibly play Juan Moutinho in the middle with uh, the Nilu and and uh, and Bernard Silva not the worst thing in the world but i think i think you you'd get a lot of eyes rolling and and it's like oh this again Mm. You know, no, what year is this? But you know, but it, I'm, it's no knock on you. I, obviously, we're trying to figure out well, you know what Fernand Sanch will do. So that's probably why I'm getting a little bit like I'm like, come on, man, Fernand Sanch. <laughs> but it's like, well, why am yeah. I surprised? Am I getting all worked up for something that I, does not surprise me whatsoever? <laughs> it's a good point. I mean, again, though, as we said, it's all about finding the balance, and he's struggled with that. He has struggled to find that balance. He's gone too defensive. He's got to be a little bit more expansive, but. You know, I think a lot of people be like, yeah, put Danilo, put Bernardo, put Bruno Fernandes in midfield, and then you can have Jean Felix Dilja to Cristiano Ronaldo up front. And it's like that sounds so fun. It sounds like yeah, it'll if, be if we're very if we're playing FIFA, it's amazing. Now, now, yeah, now is not the time to be messing around. So I, I mean, if he starts with Danilo, Mateus Nunes, Juan Martinho, I say, listen, if it gets the job done then so be it. And then you've always got the option. If it doesn't go well, you, you take off Martin, you bring on uh, Bruno Fernandes at that moment, and then you change the game. Maybe that's better than starting with Bruno Fernandes. You go 1-0 up, and then you bring on Joao Martin to try and see out the game. So that's another way you could look at it. You know? uh, finally, Alex, how much um, how much pressure do you think is on this on this group as a collective, from manager to player? Uh, with everything that's on on the line here, because uh, I know you know Italy is the the reigning European champions, uh, so there's pressure on them too. Uh, you think uh, you you know just because of the the history of Turkey and North Macedonia in terms of big tournaments, uh, you know Turkey's had uh, a, a bit of a run here and there over the last twenty years, and North Macedonia just start kind of starting to find their footing uh, in uh, in international football, but. Two giants like Italy and Portugal. Obviously, there are, there's, you know, we there could be a scenario, Alex, where it's not only Portugal that's that's not going to the World Cup. It could be, you know, we could see an, a, a Turkey North Macedonia final here, and it, that would be bananas. But in terms of Portugal, the federation, Fernandes, Cristiano Ronaldo, and the players, how much pressure do you think is on this group playing at home? to get this, this get this uh this federation and get this national team uh to the world cup in qatar i would say if they failed it would be the best team the best squad to ever miss out on a world cup probably in history i mean that's maybe debatable certainly in the top 3 in terms of in terms of pure talent that that is in that squad that is a massive pressure in itself you know just knowing that you are too good to fail that's that is going to add a ton of pressure then you've got the fact that you know this is a country that is absolutely football mad you've got the fact that Cristiano Ronaldo is probably playing his last tournament you're not just doing it for yourself you're doing it for your idol the guy that you have idolized forever um that is massive I would say that Italy are under almost as much pressure because although I I guess expectations not as high because it's not the best Italian team they've ever had the fact they won the euros was uh, an upset i think i don't think anyone really saw them as favorites going into that tournament but they missed the last world cup to -hmm. miss two world cups in a row is devastating for a country like italy it won't sting as much i guess because they won the euros quite recently but that would be huge so this is one way or another there's going to be at least one team one nation that is truly devastated because of Italy, they, they, this will be two years in a row. Portugal, this is their best team probably ever, and they've somehow messed it up. That just makes it all the more, all the more exciting for a neutral. But it's unbearable for us, that's for sure. <laughs> that is for sure. Uh, my thanks to uh, Alex Gonçalves here on episode number fifty-six of the Celeste Podcast. Alex, thank you so much for for joining us and, uh, and giving us your thoughts on the roster and and what uh, what to look for here and what we hope is uh, is to I guess let's let's uh, you know one more thing prediction. Do we make the World Cup? 
think yes. you know, you, oh no like we make it. the world cup is that I, with your heart I, with your head or with both probably the heart but it was the <laughs> first thing that came to mind so i just sure. think we're too good, we're too good. the team I, look the, what i will say and i i would say italy have the best international manager in the world i think he's the best manager of a national team currently probably by a distance you know he's okay. remarkable mancini but portugal have the superior players they have the game changers if Fernando Santos doesn't do something ludicrous, they should have enough talent to do it themselves almost, you know, they, and they also have home advantage. So I think just based on that, Portugal should have enough as that's, I, I, that's probably the heart speaking, but that's just my gut feeling right now. But when, when the kickoff goes, if it is an Italy Portugal final, I'm dead. all the confidence is gone. Just like that. So. Well, wait, wait, say it Ask again. Then. If it was, if it is a Portugal Italy final, all that confidence goes immediately. So if you ask me, <laughs> ask me in, in a week's time, it's a different answer completely. So I got you. I got you. Our thanks again to uh, to Alex Gonsalves here of uh, of TugaScout.pt, or excuse me, uh, TugaScoutPT on Twitter, TugaScout.com uh, on the web. You can follow Alex and uh, you know make sure you uh, give him a, a tweet here and follow him. Let him know that uh, he did a wonderful job again in our uh, our preview episode of the playoff with Turkey uh, real quick. And, uh, and, and we'll, we will uh, let Alex go here. So uh, Alex, I'm just finishing up the, uh, the episode. So please bear with me as I uh, politely remove you off our, uh, off our YouTube stream. But uh, uh, my thanks again to, uh, to you, man. Thank you so much for joining us. Been a pleasure. Thanks for having me. All right. Take care, bud. Uh, that will do it uh, for uh, for our episode here, episode number fifty six. So let's give you a bit of a breakdown of what um, could happen, um, or in terms of what we try to do here on the on the pod, uh, depending on how everything goes. So if Portugal do make it um, to uh, the twenty ninth, uh, we will have obviously a review of the uh, Turkey the Turkey match, and then we'll preview the final, whether it's against Italy uh, or or North Ma- North Macedonia. Uh, if the, if Portugal does not make the, the final, uh, we will have, we, we will have some sort of, uh, crisis intervention episode of this, uh, of this podcast for sure. Uh, and we'll, uh, we'll try to get as many of, uh, uh of you involved in that uh, as possible, but, um, there will be, there will be some, uh, you know, there will be an episode after the Turkey match, no matter what. Uh, hopefully it's a preview of the final. And then uh, if we uh, have that, uh, that preview, we will have a review of that final, uh, hopefully a positive one, or we'll have that crisis moment, uh, you know, a, a few days, uh, a few days uh, after uh, maybe uh, the first one could have been. So uh, all that to say is just keep it uh, tuned in to uh, the Celeste podcast. Uh, follow guys uh, like uh, Alex Gonsalves on Twitter. He does a great job. Uh, with his opinions and with his work. I didn't even, you know what, Alex, I'm going to bring you back on. Hold on one second, Alex. There he is. Alex, uh, you've been uh, doing a, uh, a bang up job on, uh, on uh, Portugal.net. He, uh, you had started a, a series on, uh, on wolves. I would say just about one or two players that are uh, Portuguese on that squad. I think uh, maybe less than yeah, that. Maybe. I don't know. Now because, yeah. Cause <laughs> she's gone. So yeah. It's just, it's, it, well, yeah. Oh, I see what you're yeah. Yeah, yeah, I see. Yeah, it's, I see what it, you mean. I, but it's, my, squad, it's my American, it's my American humor that is uh, that is no good <laughs> almost all the time. But yeah, you uh, you've been doing a a series uh, uh, with uh, with uh, Portugal dot net, and uh, I, I know that uh, I know that uh, you've done a few of uh, your works already there. And how did that come about? And uh, and what do we uh, look forward to uh, for that series uh, coming in the future? Yeah, I mean it's it's interesting. It's, so I've written a, a couple of pieces already, looking at, um, of course, Jose Sa, who is the sensation this season, and also looking at Wolves' credentials for. At the time, it was a top four place. I guess that was a little bit ambitious in hindsight, but uh, <laughs> uh, you know, looking looking forward, I'm I'm, I'm looking at writing a piece about uh, João Martinho because there were a few doubters about him last season. You know, he was people were suggesting, you know, he's he's getting a bit on, he's getting on a bit. He's maybe not the player he once was and this season he's come back firing he's been he's been great for them in that partnership with Nev so I think we've got to we've got to show him a bit of love I think in uh, in one of these articles coming up nice good man and yeah yeah make sure you uh, look for that on uh the uh, the social media accounts of both Alex Tuga Scout and also uh, Tom Kundert's uh, Portugal 
Portugal.net. Uh, follow Tom there at Portugal One. So that will do it for episode number 56 of the Celeste Podcast. I have been your host, Danny Pinto. Remember to follow the podcast uh, on Twitter at Celeste Pod, Facebook.com slash Celeste Pod. Follow us on Instagram at Celeste Pod, And you can email the show Pod at gmail.com. Uh, remember, we are on YouTube. The last couple episodes have been on YouTube. If you haven't yet subscribed to it, please do uh, subscribe to us on all of your, uh, your podcasting platforms as well. And make sure you bookmark uh, our website, CelestSoundPod.com. Again, my name has been Danny Pinto for Alex Gonsalves of uh, Uh We have uh, been providing you uh, episode number 56 of the Celeste Sound Podcast, a proud partner of Portugal.net. And as always, Força Portugal! <laughs>